0: About chicken a la king, mango and garbanzo, tzabuli, potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic
1: and basil, bikinis eating, granola fruit. Bar. Look at all this beautiful food.
0: Ladies mm. and gentlemen, welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, where I interview amazing people with amazing minds, but all I care about is what is in their fridge. My friend today, my guest today is a friend. He's a friend guest. Uh, I fucking love this guy. He's the author of The Hidden Power of Fucking Up. He's the author of the Rumination series. His stand-up special is called The Rest is History. He's the co-host of the Man of the Year podcast. Just came out. Fantastic podcast. Couldn't recommend it enough. The New York Times just wrote it up. It's uh, with him and another good friend of mine, uh, Matt Ritter. Uh, and it all is based on a eating ritual that he and his friends started doing after college, which we will get into. Please welcome my good friend. Can I call you my good friend? I'd say great friend. My great friend, Aaron
1: Cairo. Is it Caro or Cairo? My, is you, you, it, you nutted it the first time and I was going to compliment you on it. Cairo? It's Cairo. You got it. You got it. Um, <laughs> one clarification on your intro, which was great. Yeah. Um, the Hidden Power of Fucking Up, which is a number one New York Times bestseller. I co-wrote that. Do you know who I co-wrote that with? Whom? The Try Guys. The Try Guys? I don't know who that is. Are you, are you serious? Yeah. About a month ago, was they were literally the biggest thing that hit on Twitter, which you were just saying how big on Twitter you are. Huge. The, the Try Guys are YouTubers, there's four of them. If you're basically under 22, they're your, you know, they're the biggest celebrities you know. And yeah, so
0: you're flexing now that you're ghostwriting books for YouTube stars. That's your flex? Is I didn't this, ghostwrite,
1: I co-wrote. This is... Uh, as a ghost, I was a co-ghost. <laughs> Dan, have you how did you not see this? It was in the New York Times, they one of the Try Guys cheated on his wife with one of their employees and like almost like blew up the Try Guys. It was literally trending on Twitter for a week.
0: I, you know, it's funny. I'm I I'm not saying this to sound cool. I'm I am a little out of the loop on a lot of these YouTube stars, although there is one that I just came into my radar lately that I cannot stop fucking watching his videos. He basically does these weird things where he like challenges people for money.
1: Mr. 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 Beast? Mr. Beast. The, the world's biggest YouTuber. Congratulations. Yes. Discovered him. <laughs> the guy walks around at Walmart and be like, do you want a car? and just gives him a car.
0: There's something really sinister about it. I can't really put my finger on it. He's like, there's this weird capitalist thing on it. It's like, Oh, you're a poor person. Here you go. If you can say the alphabet backwards, I'll change your life. Oh, you can't do it. You loser.
1: <laughs> Stay on the streets. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Cause I watch, we talk about this in the podcast. I watch a lot of, uh, Kindness porn on TikTok, mm-hmm. um, yeah, which is people I'm with helping, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have found a guy who who doesn't seem exploitative, right? Because I'm exactly on your team. Like, if it's exploitative at all, I like have to throw up.
0: Yeah, yeah. If it's good, I love it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, but I can't stop watching his videos, which I guess if you haven't heard of this guy, Mr. Beast. Okay, let us talk about your fridge. You guys can see aaron's sad sad fridge on my instagram at stand up dan oh my god caro um (laughs) this fridge (laughs) this fridge is so sad it's very very empty um i hope this isn't a metaphor it for your life uh because if it is people please send because now i get why you're watching kindness porn you're just lonely at home with an empty fridge You're, you're, you're like, but you're like a healthy guy, but there's nothing in this fucking fridge. Like you're like one of those CrossFit dudes, but you're also like, I don't know. You're like a, I don't know if you're like an anorexic CrossFit guy, if that's even a thing, but you just have like, you have nothing in the fridge, but a Brita filter and some water in the crisper, some Trader Joe's water in the crisper and like four apples. That's literally your whole fucking fridge, dude. And then on the, I... in the, there's a little yogurt, I think, on the door. I mean, this is it's clean,
1: but. It... <laughs> may, may I do I have a chance to defend myself? Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> if, if you look at the other picture, you could see the door of the fridge There's more on the door of the fridge.
0: This does not help your case. It's literally <laughs> more, wa- <laughs> more bottled water. <laughs> and it's a like one thing of yogurt and more Trader Joe's Mountain Spring water. Wow, it, dude, it's just yo. Okay, so now I can see a little on the first row too. So it's and and it's more yogurt. You just have yogurt and water placed in different parts of your fridge, (laughs) and and then a sad, lonely Angostino bitters on its own. classy though, right, dude? That doesn't even have to be in the fridge. Like you, you're just like you're putting things in your fridge that don't even need to be there because you have no, no food to put in the fridge. Why don't you have food in your fridge, Aaron?
1: By the way, Dan, once you open it, if you read the instructions, it says refrigerate after opening. OK,
0: well, it's a good thing you have enough room for 10,000 Angostino bitter bottles <laughs> in your empty fridge just in case you open them. <laughs> so this is what crazy. this comes
1: down to is that uh, is this the most empty fridge you've ever done? Um,
0: I think it actually is. This might be the most empty fridge. It's empty, but it's also like empty and clean. So I don't know if. But here's the thing. Normally with comedians, if they have an empty fridge like this, it means that either A, they're poor, or B, they're touring a lot. I know that you're neither of those things. Right. So I, right. don't, I don't understand what's happening.
1: So basically, I don't really have self-control. Mm-hmm. And so if there's food, I will eat it. Okay. And so what I do is I buy, I buy enough food for 14 days okay, exactly what i need to eat and then at the end of that 14 days it's basically empty and i have to go back shopping so you got me at the end you know you, your producer said don't don't stage it well this was the this is like day 13 this is all i have left
0: wow um i didn't know that about you i mean i knew that you well we'll get into we'll get into your evolution your 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 fitness evolution uh in a minute but let's also the freezer seems to be the most most uh, stocked part of, of the fridge-freezer combo. Um, you've got a lot, of, a lot of Trader Joe's. It seems like you go to Trader Joe's every twice a week. A lot of Trader Joe's smoothie stuff. Uh, you got your mangoes, your frozen mangoes and strawberries and blueberries. A lot of frozen smoothie stuff. You've got some cheese blintzes, mac and cheese. Uh, the butter chicken, which actually I really like. The uh, Trader Joe's butter chicken. I've never had the Trader Joe's Bambino pepperoni pizza. It looks like you go to Trader Joe's and just go to the sale rack and just buy whatever they have there and bring
1: it home. You know, Dan, I actually want to talk to you about this because this was another sort of controversy. Like, like, what do you think about Trader Joe's naming their ethnic food with, like, vaguely racist names?
0: Yeah, I mean, this was a thing. Uh, This was a thing for a while. I think someone, they were trying to get a campaign against Uh, Trader Jose which is like their their Mexican food and like it didn't take I mean I don't know man I'm all for kind of playful fun race stuff I'm watching the World Cup and it's like you watch the Mexican fans and like they're they're dressed in sombreros and stuff and I'm like you could imagine people in America being like that it's so racist they're Mexican it's their thing so yes that is true but I'm saying like I feel like if we're okay with stereotyping ourselves, I think it should be okay to do a. It, it, it's not that. It's not that offensive. It's like, it's like a little homage, Trader Jose. That's cute. It's not like you know. I don't know. I feel like it could be worse. No, am I off?
1: Have you seen the World Cup fans? I don't. I don't want to misstate what it is. You know how in Arab countries they wear the. I don't know what it's call the 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 thing on their head. It's like the rope, the rope that yes, goes exactly. around. Exactly. Have you the, seen the other fans, the non-local fans, wearing like American flag as a Yes, head cover.
0: I saw the Brazilians do it. Dicey. It's not for you to say that, though. I'm sure the Qataris love it because it's like an homage to their culture, and it's and it's and it's putting their culture on the map. I feel like I don't know. I I feel like it's dicey to Americans because we are so culturally sensitive, like almost too uh, culturally sensitive. But I feel like the Arabs that I know are probably really thrilled about it. Cause it's like, cool. People used to, people used to be scared of our garb and think that it's like terrorism garb. And now people are wearing it in like fun celebration of their own countries. That's kind of cool.
1: Damn. So have I gone so woke that I actually went too far?
0: <laughs> you've gone. you've gone. you're too awake, man. Have some,
1: you've had too much <laughs> caffeine. But back to your, by the way, I don't, I don't, I don't drink coffee or consume any caffeine. If I
0: like know it. if you had, if you had a bag of coffee in your, in your house, you'd have to drink it all in one day.
1: You <laughs> <it>? <laughs> but, but back to your Trader Joe's thing. So you were sort of half right. They tried to lobby Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's actually did it. They go, you know what? You're right. They put out a statement. And then two weeks later, they go, you know, what? fuck it. Trader Giuseppe, we don't give a shit. They went back and I respected that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, Trader Giuseppe is what is it? Is Trader Trader Giuseppe is Trader Giotto is like their Italian stuff. Trader 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 Jose. Is there Trader Mings? Yeah, it's real dicey. OMG. That one's a little uh. Yeah. (laughs) Um interesting. But I look, I I think Trader Joe's is on the right side of history when it comes to food. Like I I feel like they also they kind of walk that line of like food cultural appropriation versus fun food celebration. Like they do a lot of, um, one thing that they did recently was they took papadums, which are, do you know what papadums are? It's that Indian food. It's like an Indian cracker kind of. And oh, if you yeah. go to an Indian place, it's, like a, it's usually a long kind of flat cracker. And they turn them into little cups that you can like use for like salsa. Hmm. And it's like, huh, okay. I could see how someone could get maybe a little offended by that. But it's del- it was so cool and so delicious. And when else am I having papadum with salsa? It was kind of a fun little fusion. Um, so I don't know. Trader Joe's, I, I think they're, I like their playfulness. And sometimes, sometimes they make the ethnic stuff better than the ethnics do. Their amba, which amba is like a Middle Eastern uh, fermented mango, like chutney, it's, all, it's, like a, it's like a condiment, it's like a sauce. Theirs is like better than the shit that like my grandmother makes. Like it's crazy. <laughs>
1: It's do you remember very, you took right me in. for uh, Iranian food like a while back? Remind we, me. Where do we go? We went, to, we went to like a salsa dancing class in the park. I think you were trying to hit on a girl or something. A salsa dancing. That sounds and, about right. Wow. When was this? This was like at least 10 years ago. And okay. then you went. Then we were driving in your Porsche. She's got a Porsche, everybody. And uh, <sighs> you, there was some place you spotted. It. it was like, you know, you have that sort of Iranian radar. Yeah, or maybe you nailed it. But we call like,
0: it an. We call it an iradar. It's just an erradar,
1: right? Right. <laughs> and you saw some little storefront. You went in, and you were, you know, yapping in I don't know Farsi or whatever. And then like we went in the back. I don't know why. Why is all Middle Eastern food served in the back of the of the place? Like, can we not just like eat in the place? But no, we we're in the back, and I don't know. You were you were in your fucking element. Like that's why I just love what you're doing because like we we are very. And that's why I loved when we used to briefly live in the same building, you would have people over. I'm, maybe we still live together now. Maybe, maybe we, we do. do. Maybe we do live together. We're actually roommates. <laughs> because what is the opposite of a foodie? Because that's why I am. I'm there for sustenance and then get me right. out of there. I don't care.
0: Yes. I, it's so it's so funny to me, though, because you are like, I usually associate that that style of person with someone who's like really boring. I feel like people who aren't food adventurous are usually typically boring, especially like with people that I would date. That's kind of a that was like a big red flag for me. You're one of the most dynamic, interesting, exciting, fun people I know, though. And you also are like someone who loves to collect people like you. You're you're a people collector. Like you always have an insanely large group of friends. And I'm always like shocked by how many people show up at your birthday. Like you'll have a birthday party and like 70 people pop up and it's always very fun. but. Yeah, it seems like you'd always come to my food stuff, though. Like in the building, I would have like, um, you know, a clam bake or fun stuff. Fun. I'll food partake
1: stuff. if invited. I just like I'm not seeking it out myself.
0: You're not seeking it out yourself. Well, which is kind of interesting. I mean, this is not really a weight loss podcast and I kind of hate talking about dieting. But I, I always like think that your transformation was kind of incredible. Uh, I don't mean to sound offensive, but you used to be like a like a pretty pudgy dude and then soft. like I was never super pudgy but I was soft you were soft dude but like almost I don't know what happened if you walked by a crossfit place and they handed you a free flyer it seemed like <laughs> overnight you got into crossfit and just turned into the sexiest man and then we did like tough mutter together and like oh, yeah I was yeah. just like shocked at your tra- you had a shocking transformation because it was so quick and also you've kind of kept it up for like fucking 10 years
1: just, just, I just had my 10 year anniversary um, and just, just so you know, so like the, my very strict diet, which we didn't even get into the fact that I eat the same thing every day. Uh, oh God. So boring. that, that goes, that goes Monday breakfast to Thursday lunch. And then Friday night to Sunday night, I could do whatever I want. Okay. Got
0: it. So do you do like the intermittent fasting thing? I'm so tired of hearing friends of mine who are like, I wake up, I don't eat. Till four forty-five. Right. Then from four forty-five right. to five fifteen, I can eat whatever fuck I
1: want, and then I throw up half of it. And then it's like, <laughs> it's I mean, become you're gonna so hate crazy. my answer because I don't. But when someone told me what it was, I was like, oh, that's my schedule anyway. What is it? Give it, uh, take us through it. I will like, of my, my eating or my actual like I I gym, gym first thing in the morning six thirty every day every Monday through Friday. Monday
0: through Friday. And are you still doing CrossFit?
1: So I actually never went back after uh, lockdown. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And so now I just go to a gym, but I've created my own proprietary system called KFX. (laughs) First, we were like really locked down. You just like couldn't wait. What does that stand for? So when you, when you couldn't do anything, it was just called k That was like, just like in your house, whatever. Now that I'm back in a gym, it's k Extreme, KFX.
0: Whoa. Hello, sharks. Yeah. All nice. right. So, Kero Fit Extreme.
1: So, KFX from uh, from about six thirty to seven forty
0: five. Wait, have you gotten anyone else onto this?
1: Uh, I have done it with a few people, and the the number one comment I've got is this is boring, mm. and not that it's Good. not super hard, but it's like it's it's much like my food. Like I have, a, I'm a glutton for monotony.
0: Yes. Okay. So I
1: can sit. I can do. I could eat. Like the same shit. Like I'm doing the same workout. Not the same workout, but the same motions. Um, I'm just. I can just. I have. You know, to be a writer, you got to sit there and fucking whatever. Anyway, you have to um, trap
0: your. It's you have to get into. As someone who just finished writing his first book, you you're you're many ahead of me, but yes, the amount of discipline that you need is disgusting. It's not fun. It sucks. It's, I don't know. Um, you need to be super. You have to have a routine. If you don't have a routine, yeah. you're never going to finish.
1: Yeah. Um, and I will say having written six books, Flex, that the best part about it is that... Them, well, the one end- of
0: them for, was for a Vine star. One was for a TikTok. <laughs> uh, uh, someone who just started on TikTok a week for a week.
1: <laughs> Number one New York Times bestseller. Make sure that's in my Instagram bio. So then after I KFX, I meditate. Oh, you do? do have we even talked about my meditation? No. So yesterday was my uh, 730th day in a row. So two years in a row. Wow. Just a typical care. One day I was like, I'm going to start to meditate. And then I use my OCD powers for good, made it a habit. Now I meditate every day.
0: How many minutes? About 12 minutes. 12 minutes. And is it with an app?
1: Yes. Yes. I've used literally every app.
0: Uh, yeah. Now
1: I use Inside Timer, which is like the biggest app. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. You, look, man, I tried so hard to get myself into it. I did I did Headspace. I did yep. Sam Harris's app. Yeah, calm. I, that shit. Yeah, I tried it all. And I was just like, it never felt fun to me. It never felt good to me. I never felt better. And in fact, the moment I started to feel great was when I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm not gonna meditate anymore. Mm. And then every day felt like like springtime. Now shut up. I swear to God, I just felt great. Cause I felt like it was always this thing hanging over my head of like, Oh fuck. I have to sit down for, for 10 minutes and I don't have that anymore. And I feel free and I feel like my mind is clear. I feel more fucking namaste than I ever did. Wow. I love that. I for you. Med- um, <laughs> I've actually gone. Um, I have, a, I have a ticker here. I've gone uh, 1,274
1: days, not meditating. <laughs> I, <love laughs> and that. I feel amazing. <laughs> Um, so I've been watching the, the, the vow, which is the Nexium HBO documentary, but what's yes. called? Cool. Have you seen it? Uh, no, I have not, but I've heard of it. So, you know, I've been watching whatever, and it's, you know, it's very Scientology esque. And then when I was in Plainview, which we can say is my hometown, we're both long Islanders. Um, <laughs> I saw a meditation place like, right? Like, uh, you know, next to the bagel place. So I walked in, I did a consult. This was last week. Mm. And I thought this was going to be the mindfulness meditation that you and I have probably have tried, yeah. but this was like its own brand of like some special shit yeah like they're like you have to you have to delete your body you have to delete your soul Mm -hmm. like stuff happens to you and you respond you get anxious or mad or sad because you're controlling it like something bad could happen to you and you could not feel bad because you can control you know and i realized like dude this is the shit that's in nexium like it was the same i watched the the documentary i'm like dude this is the same thing like i almost joined a basic nexium that was close. Yeah, but but
0: here's the thing: every religion has has a lot of similarities, and every practice has a lot. Of, like literally, what you just said is like one of the tenets of Stoicism, and that's kind of my thing.
1: No, of course, it, it is. Oh Jesus!
0: I know. Can I tell you this thing? And yeah. I hated, I hated everyone because it seemed like such a Tim Ferris, like I'm a tech bro, I like Stoicism thing, and okay. I made so much fun of it, and then like. I listened to one fucking podcast and I was like, wait a second. I think, I think in this way, I really like it. Um, but that's the thing of stoicism. It's like, you control what your emotions, you can't control it. Can outside.
1: you please give me like the blurb? Cause I've Googled it. I've looked it up and I don't understand it. Stoicism.
0: Yeah. Basically stoicism is a practice that, uh, sort of believes that again, you have no control over outside look, like, sort of what you were saying. Like you have no control over the outside. Um, all you have control over is your reaction to it or your emotions. And it's to strive to keep negative emotions out and positive emotions in and almost create shame in a way around feelings of anger or feelings of jealousy and to try to reframe things in a way. So it's a lot of like playing mental mind games to try to give yourself a more calm and more um, fruitful life.
1: So Um, if you're in a relationship and the girl dumps you, do you not feel sad? You do feel sad and that's
0: okay, but you're supposed to basically what they're a big part of what they say is like you, there's a amount of grief that is normal basically. And then Mm -hmm. if you don't keep it in check, it's just going to like expand logarithmically and it's going to affect you in, in ways that it doesn't need to. So like the point is to kind of, try to keep a little bit of a lid on it because if you just let your emotions go willy-nilly then it will it'll take you into a dark place and it's funny because like i feel like um it's kind of against everything that we hear which is like you need to let it all out as much as you can and talk it's your trauma and it's almost having ownership over your 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 pain rather than saying like okay my goal is to get over this so what is the quickest most effective way to do that and a big part of it okay. is, negative, is negative visualization, which instead of positive visualization is thinking of like, what's the worst thing that could happen within this scenario? And then realizing that even the worst thing that happens is not going to be that bad. And, and so basically having like a bird's eye view on life and realizing that it's, it's nothing is that important and, and no negative emotion should bring you down that much because we're just going to be here for a little bit. That's my take on it.
1: Great. Well, let's get a bunch of isolated incels to uh, bottle their emotions and see what happens. <laughs> okay.
0: Speaking of male emotions, incel emotions, uh, you and your buddies had this food tradition that I always was intrigued by, even before you guys turned it into a podcast, called the Man of the Year Awards, which every year you and I, I'm a, it was your college friends or high school friends?
1: These are like elementary school.
0: Elementary school friends. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm, I'm assuming this started happening after college where you guys would meet before Thanksgiving, which, you know, everyone's back home for Thanksgiving. And you would meet at Peter Luger's Steakhouse in Brooklyn, which we'll get to in a second. And you would got you guys would have this uh, huge kind of uh, like a Stanley Cup trophy type thing. And. I guess every year a different person would win man of the year and get the trophy for that year and have their name on a little plaque on the trophy based off of, of who had the quote unquote best year, you know, whatever that meant for them, whether it was someone who killed it professionally. I remember, I think of once it was like someone who had a, who had cancer or something and beat it. Um,
1: this, this guy this year was two time cancer survivor.
0: Yeah. Um, which, by the way, is kind of a cop-out in winning the thing. He had nothing to do with it. The doctor saved him. Yeah, what know. is he going
1: to do, not survive cancer? I yeah, mean-
0: he just sat there and took the chemo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was so fascinated by this, uh, by, by this tradition that you and your friends had. And I was, and I was always, always kind of jealous of it. I was like, this is such a cool thing. And I was so happy to hear that you guys turned it into a podcast. Um, but, Yeah. Tell briefly tell us uh, what uh what the feedback is weird being been on this
1: podcast with you Dan because like you're like ten percent more earnest than you are in real life and it's like really like disconcerting <laughs> like this is like it's just very strange like you're just putting on airs like ten percent more and right. like usually you know, I'm I,
0: super mean and cynical when well talk, as good
1: anyways. friends guy friends guy comedian friends like it's like one nice thing and then chop them in the legs mm. and uh, so it's just like you know it's bizarre it's fucking bizarre um but oh, the chop honestly, is coming the chop is coming i'm just <laughs> i'm
0: just pulling back the axe getting tension in it
1: oh good lord um honestly you actually describe the the tradition fucking extremely well uh we all nine of us from plainview we've been friends for 35 years and after you, you know graduated college and some of us moved away we started gathering on the, it's always the tuesday before thanksgiving because it's a good it's not the day before and it's not too far away. And uh, I don't remember how we started going to Peter Luger's. um, But yeah, we have this gigantic trophy. It's like half a Stanley Cup. Um, And, you know, if you hear Matt tell it, our our co-host, you know, it's really not about the trophy, right? It's about an excuse to get your friends together every year. Mm -hmm. And also a way for us to talk on our group chat, like 365 days a year. And that's kind of what the podcast is is trying to address is because as you know, like, we're also facing this like epidemic of loneliness. Right. Um, y- you and I are pretty good about it. But there's many guys out there, and we've heard from them who just have lost touch with their friends, don't have any friends, wives reach out to us. And they're like, my husband, like, only wants to hang out with me, doesn't have any friends. And so we feel like we've got a pretty good perspective on trying to solve that. And one of those ways to do that is to create traditions. It doesn't have to start 20 years ago. It could start today. It doesn't right, have to right. be a trophy. It could be anything. It could be watching a ball game every week, every month. Um, and just in a, It's just kind of a hack to bring together your friends and you're trying to make new friends. Uh,
0: I love that. I do love the foodie in me, obviously. Loves that you guys centered around a meal at a steakhouse. I feel like steakhouses harken to a time I'm, I'm just picturing a bunch of guys sitting around a fire having grilled meats like there's something very animalistic about it about doing or very primitive in a good way about doing it at a steakhouse um peter lugers also is a very storied steakhouse in new york um i think it's the oldest oh no the old Holts homestead i think is the oldest steakhouse in new york but peter lugers is pretty close up there um they very interesting in how they make their steaks because they do something that as a cook you're taught never to do, which is you're not supposed to cut the steak um, until you let it rest. What they do is they cook the steak, they cut it, they put it into a basically a puddle of of melted butter, put it back in the oven and have it finished there. So it's coated with butter. It's super delicious. Um, and also the place itself is just kind of cool. It's like old and storied and you got the old steakhouse waiters, which are always like a, a fun edition um i'm sure lugers did get a really scathing new york times food review though like pete wells i think a couple it was a couple years ago and i remember when the review came out i think it was like a zero stars or like a one star which is wild the first thing i did was i texted matt ritter and i was like dude they just took down
1: (laughs) your place like your storied your temple what do you think? And he's like, "It's
0: fucking bullshit, man." <laughs> <laughs> First
1: of all, it's been around since 1887, I think, which is insane. Wow. Uh, I want to go back to the review in a second, but I want to know what you think of, or it has a name, or like, so they bring out the steak, but it's still sort of cooking on the plate. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. is that a th- that's not a thing?
0: It is a thing that was invented by Peter Luger. No one was ever doing that before. Um, Ruth Chris started doing it, but it all came from Peter's Peter Luger. But the the thing is, yes, the hot plate, which they put yeah. in the oven, but it's the butter that is the secret sauce. It's so just like the whole bottom is has this butter, so it finishes cooking in that butter, which mm-hmm. is also kind of fun because you can have your steak at different temperatures. Like you can get it rare and then in three minutes in that butter, it's gonna be medium. Um yeah. so it's kind of cool like that.
1: So the the P well's very controversial, especially in the man of the year group. I mean, the thing is it's not it's 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 ambiance first peter luger's like you're going there for an experience right the food is excellent mm-hmm. but like like for instance i don't know if you heard like they just lost their michelin star okay and we were all just like they had a michelin star like i, I had no idea they had a michelin right so like it's not it's extremely good it's pretty expensive you know old school martinis but like we're there for the company right uh, also I, I I I know you hate this about me like I'm not like my palate is not that refined. So like honestly I fucking love Ruth's Chris. Like yeah. A steak well, this a steak that doesn't mean anything to me. Here's the thing though
0: and you said something that I agree with which is it's not it's less about the food it's, it's more about the ambiance, right? I think that's the case with every single steakhouse. I don't think there's any steakhouse that had Here's right. the thing All steakhouses have the same fucking steak. It's USDA prime meat that is dry aged for like 45 days. It's going to taste the same if you cook it at home. It's going to taste the same if you go. Anytime someone's like, this place is so much better than that place. The only thing that makes a difference is the sides um, and the ambiance. And that's it. And typically, every good steakhouse is going to have great sides. There's no difference except for the ambiance. And look, Pete Wells' review, he was shitting on... On, like, you know, service things he hated that they that they're cash only, like, look, man, part it's of like it. it's part of it. A part of it is you is you have these curmudgeony waiters, yeah, who, you know, who have been doing it since the Korean War. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like, um, anytime you rank a steakhouse, anytime you you read a reviewer's ranking of a steakhouse, I think it's kind of garbage because they are. So subjective to the experience. It's all about the experience because the food is probably going to be the same at every fucking good steakhouse.
1: Have you ever heard the story of like our most like controversial and raucous man of the year dinner at Luger's? No. So like again, it's nine guys. We're drinking, we're eating, we're, we're voting on people's, you know, it's like, it's like fantasy football on people's lives. <laughs> right. And one year it was unwritten rule, but Matt, my co-host voted for himself. Typical Mm. fucking Matt Ritter.
0: That is the most Matt Ritter thing that that, that makes so much sense. That track.
1: And it resulted in a tie. This is our first tie. This was like, you know, election of 1800, like constitutional crisis. We're screaming, we're yelling, we're drunk. This old man daughters over to us and he's like, gentlemen, I'm having dinner with my grandchildren. Like, you guys are fucking screaming. Like, what's going on? We tell him about the tradition and he told him there's a tie and he goes, well, I'm a retired federal judge. Shut up. Um, so why don't you two like plead your case, and I'll decide? And so because we have a no self promotion policy, those two people who tied uh, elected two advocates, two lawyers basically, to give like an opening statement to this judge, and then he chose the winner that year.
0: And I imagine you guys are mostly Jewish, so you probably had two actual lawyers in the group.
1: <laughs> we have, we do have, no, we have a lawyer and like and and, and a doctor, of course. Yeah.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. That is that's amazing. What what happened for Matt Ritter that year that he was like I I, I am better than all of you. I must vote for myself. Uh,
1: you know he probably I think remember that one time he had an unscripted show on MSNBC and like great dude like honestly. <laughs>
0: like, and then the guy with cancer is like but but I beat cancer and he's well, like here, it's on MSNBC it, it, <laughs> between two
1: thirty a.m. and four. <laughs> hey, it was on like you know it was on. Sunday, Sunday after a lockup live. Um, Well, I'm curious if you have this with with your friends. So we have two factions of the group. One is the two are the flashy guys. That's me or Matt, who like if you're a screenwriter, you're a comedian like us, like new shit happens every day, every week. Interesting shit. The other guys, we call them the hard hat faction because they just put on their hard hat and they go to work as an accountant every day, make great money, move to fucking Roslyn, do whatever. Right And like our voting is biased towards the flashy guys because like this, nothing's happened in this guy's life in 10 years. Right. So now we kind of try to reset the bias to like to the hard hat guys. Like this, I mean, this guy didn't beat cancer this year, but he beat it like a bunch of years ago. We never gave it to him because I got a Comedy Central special who gives a <laughs> shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Although I wonder if it pushes the hard hat guys to be more interesting throughout the year so that they have something like, yo, I picked up a. Uh... I picked up a train. I picked up a train hobby. I got these model trains now.
1: What they will do occasionally is 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 do a life event that was going to happen anyway and push it. So we operate on the fiscal Lugers gear. So mm. it's from the Tuesday of Thanksgiving to the next Tuesday of Thanksgiving is when, like, your 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 accolades count. The one right. guy I proposed, like, a week before the dinner. Like, Amazing. he was going to do it anyway, but he kind of rushed it a little bit. <laughs> uh, and then he ended up getting divorced. So that's why you never fucking try to game the system.
0: Did he get, did he plan the divorce to right after another year so that it wouldn't be factored into his.
1: Uh, so he popped out a baby suspiciously close to dinner. I'm like, I'm like her ovulation app and the Peter Lugers app. I don't know.
0: <laughs> that's why they got divorced. She was like, honey, everything we do has to be based on that <laughs> <Right>. stupid
1: dinner. <laughs> right. And that's, and that, that's, that's like, cause me and Matt, we're going to either pitch a movie or, or, or a half hour based on man of the year. And that's the kind of stuff that's going to be about.
0: Um, Okay, so your Luger's dinner, I imagine uh, leading up to the Luger's dinner, you're doing like 17 hours of cardio just to earn it. Are you one of those guys like I have to earn that meal?
1: Uh, not really, because I have like the beauty of, of, of what you'd said about me getting into shape 10 years ago is now I'm, I'm, I'm just living it. So if I have to cheat or do something, I just do it.
0: What do you do when you bring like a date back? um and and they're like oh can you can you maybe put a cheese board together for me and you're like i that i can't do but can i interest you in some non-fat yogurt and bottled <laughs> water
1: <laughs> i definitely have had a date recently look in my fridge and be like did i just go home with the cereal?
0: <laughs> yeah there's a lot of room in this fridge for a human body to be stuffed into <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean a date would never i'm not the kind of guy a date if a date wanted me to do a cheese board cuz i recently did one I planned and went and did it and got it. And yes. It. Oh, but that's like, nice. I, you you're a, you're a spontaneous board guy.
0: Yeah, I love I'm, a spontaneous a, board, board. You love
1: board. a spontaneous board. I I don't have any of that. I've got the no. toothpicks. <laughs> so
0: what is going to happen if let's say you meet someone and she's like, yeah, I want a normal fucking fridge that's stocked with food. Are you just going to lose your mind? Or are you just never going to be able to meet someone? How does how are you going to cohabitate with someone? It seems like you're you're putting yourself in a in a corner here. You're painting yourself in a corner.
1: I think that I would have to I would have to uh, compromise on that.
0: You'd have to compromise.
1: She would she could stock the fridge with what she wants and
0: As long as it's as long as it's yogurt and water, she can have as much as she wants. <laughs> Quirky, weird, and sometimes sorta kinda, but not really racist. Trader Joe's is named after its founder, Joe Coulomb, who noted two trends in the U.S. that informed the merchandising of his eclectic new supermarket. One, the number of college-educated people was rising steadily due in part to the G.I. Bill. And two, with new jumbo jets due to premiere in 1970, international travel would be accelerating as well. A better educated, more well-traveled public were acquiring tastes they had trouble satisfying in American supermarkets at the time. And his idea worked. In February 2008, Business Week reported that the company had the highest sales per square foot of any grocer in the United States. In 2016, Fortune Magazine estimated sales to be more than double the sales generated by Whole Foods. That's a lot of everything but the bagel seasoning. If you don't know what I'm talking about, get your ass to Trader Joe's and get some of it. It's so good. Fellas, this episode of Green Eggs and Dan is brought to you by our favorite producers of ball trimmers, Manscaped. They're our favorite. Trust me, the competition is fierce. The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming are rounding out the year with brand-new products, Persevere Cologne and Persevere Body Wash. 2023 is the year to up your hygiene game and smell amazing, and Manscaped wants to help you do so with a special offer. Go to manscaped.com slash greeneggs for 20% off plus free shipping. Take the leap into a new year and join the seven million men who already trust Manscaped. I think confidence is gonna be king in 2023. You know what else I'm confident about? Smelling like a million bucks. You asked and Manscaped answered, introducing the brand new Manscaped Persevere body wash and Persevere cologne. The new Persevere cologne is like the body wash with a light woodsy scent that answers the call of the wild by leaving you smelling like a man forged from the earth. It is also cruelty-free. Boo, I like cruelty in my sense. Just me? Okay. It's dye-free, paraben-free, it's vegan, so you know you are in the right hands while smelling right. Get 20% off and free shipping by going to manscapecom slash greeneggs. That's 20% off with free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash greeneggs. Happy New Year's to your balls. All right, I'm going to get to the questions that I ask every guest during the podcast, starting with, what is your earliest food memory?
1: My earliest food memory is probably Yankee Stadium. Okay. Uh, Big Yankee fans. My dad would always take me when I was a little kid. And like, there was one time, we still talk about it, where I literally ate everything they had. I had a hot dog. I had an ice cream thing. Everything they come by with the vendor I, I ate, my dad was like, how is he putting this stuff away? We still, we still talk about it probably 35 years later. Love it.
0: I mean, that tracks, that's literally you're, you're on, you're like a garbage disposal. Like if it, if the food's around, you have to have it.
1: It's exactly right. That's why the fridge. Interesting.
0: Okay. Um, so, uh, next is what's your death row meal? So why are you on death row? Let's say, let's say you are dating a girl and you, and she, she, you know, she stays the night you come back uh, home from the gym and she wants to do something nice. She filled your fridge up with food and you open it and this fucking puts you into a conniption. You're like, I have my routines! And then, <laughs> and then you, you just take her head and just like bash it into the fridge and then she's lying there dead as you devour all the food <laughs> in the fridge. Now you're on death row. What is your death row meal?
1: Oh, I hate the way that that was like somewhat feasible. <laughs> I honestly think it may be like sushi. Yeah, really? Because like when I go for sushi, I eat, I eat, I eat extravagantly.
0: It's funny you say that. Cause the last meal that you and I had was sushi.
1: Oh yeah. 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 Right.
0: yeah. To, to sushi Fumi.
1: And those, uh, those two girls recognize you from Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. Um, they follow us both on Instagram. You follow back but I didn't because I like to keep a good ratio and then they unfollowed me.
0: Oh, wow. Do they still follow me? I don't know.
1: I've now, I mean, it's been long enough that I've stopped caring that much about this, but I did know at the time.
0: I love, I love that you knew that. And I had no idea that that's what was going on. Yeah. It makes me very happy.
1: I don't know. Um, How is this podcast going to make me look?
0: It's funny though. Sushi to me. So the number one most requested death row meal on the podcast is steak. It's like a steakhouse steak. And sushi is probably the least um, requested. I wonder <laughs> if sushi doesn't have like that kind of comfort food thing about it or, or does it to you? Because for me, it's it doesn't smack of comfort food. Like what I think of comfort food, I think of like, I don't know if I'm homesick. What do I want? Although I guess why homesick, to
1: be
0: I don't want a steak. I don't know, because you're about to. I feel like everyone kind of wants some something comforting at their last meal. No.
1: I also think like, I think you shit yourself when you get electrocuted and that shit would just be really awful from sushi. So I want to just be like one last fuck. you.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes a little more
1: sense. What is the best high end meal you've ever had? You know, again, to me, it's more about the company. And so actually every year just happened last week. The day after Thanksgiving is my parents' anniversary. So my parents, me and my sister, we go to this restaurant called Prime in Huntington on Long Island, which is very nice, very expensive steakhouse and it was honestly it was the same week as lugers and i was like this is better than lugers but it was also like my parents my sister like it was it was to me that's the, that's the comfort food right there yeah so, that's what i like yeah How you're later?
0: like for someone who's gonna die alone like you are so into your family and family stuff it's kind of sad it's tragic <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's the best low end? <laughs> no, I, it's funny because I actually, not to flex on 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 that, but I went to Prime with uh, Ralph Macchio. We had uh, dinner
1: there together. Oh, that's a, that's, I'm not even going to dig you for that because that's a, because he's a Long Island guy, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. He's the one who recommended it. He's like, let's go to Huntington. <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah, sounds Yeah, that's good. a
1: great, that's a great story. I I yeah. give you, I give you reluctant props for that. It's
0: a crazy story. I've said it before in the podcast, so I won't, but next time we hang out, I'll tell you all about it um great, great, what great is the what is the best low-end meal that you've ever had
1: I'm gonna stick with my 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 theme here is that I used to go to White Castle with my dad on Long Island all the time mm. and like White Cat I, I, White Castle is like the dregs of fast food but it's so fucking good
0: I've never really given White Castle a chance the only the only other person I think I think John Hurwitz when he was on this he said White Castle also which I mean he's yeah. just trying to promote his movie but yeah. um but I've never I've never like had a craving for it. I've never I don't I, I, I can't remember when I had it. It must have been like at some crafty table or something where they were just hanging out. But I'm totally down to devote a night to to doing it.
1: The problem is that's like the end of the night. like you, know, you can't go right. out after that.
0: Yeah, which is fine. Um, what is your favorite uh, drunk food? you and I, you and I have imbibed
1: uh, many times together. Ooh. I feel like I'm a fucking Domino's connoisseur. Really? Tell me. I I love Domino's. Like, you know, like six, seven, eight years ago, they just completely like redid their whole, their whole menu. They got a new CEO and like, oh no, I did
0: not know that because I'm not in college anymore, but good thing that you really, you're tracking with the, you're like, you know, they had that corporate shakeup.
1: Listen, I have fucking, I have a lot of Domino's. God, I'm so hungry right now. Does everyone say that? I'm so hungry. Um... (laughs) It uh, it's just like it's listen. It's not good. It's not good pizza, but it's the best. It's the best like fast food pizza you can get. The app mm. is great. Like it comes fast. I know exactly what <laughs> I, you get a coupon for uh, five ninety nine. You get two medium pizzas or one medium pizza and a, and, a, and a cheesy bread. It's just it's so cheap. It's great.
0: I love your love for Domino's it even goes so far as as their their app. Oh, yeah. You get pizza points. Is there app the one that like shows you where the person is, like yeah, like then it's like the bike is like you know the you see the pedals going and yeah, <laughs> it's very. Do they still do the if it's not here in in thirty minutes you you get it for free?
1: They changed that about twenty five years ago because people were dying.
0: What do you mean? Like drivers are just speeding to get the pizza there? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that's amazing.
0: Um, oh, what a eulogy. My dad died <laughs> doing what? He did best just getting pizza to people.
1: Well, We talked before about like not exploiting people. And like, just like, imagine that's like your, your job. Like if I don't get this to some asshole's door, like I don't get my bonus.
0: Also, I think the delivery, I wonder, do they have their own delivery people anymore? Or are they all on Postmates
1: now? No, no, like, do they, they out- use their own. They use their own. I'm not sure you can order Domino's on Postmates.
0: Interesting that they wouldn't switch that the delivery business model as that's someone who about it. as someone who studies their business model what is that is it just that they want to have their hands in every part of the pizza from the pizza to getting to your mouth they want to be hands-on
1: that's called vertical integration dan
0: <laughs> That wharton fucking education finally right, coming buddy. in handy all right we got we
1: added that in the 57th minute
0: thank you <laughs> yes flex um are were you a fan of philly food at all when you were when you were uh, at Wharton? With Donald Trump. A, so you went to the same school as Donald Trump. Were you, um, what What were your favorite Philly foods? So I was
1: one year uh, ahead, uh, one year behind uh, Donald Trump Jr. and three years ahead of Elon Musk. Really, really, uh, I'm going to admit something on this podcast now. Oh, so, boy. on a very special Green Eggs and Dan. Billy is known for cheesesteaks. Yes. Pat's, Geno's, amazing. Go down. Mm-hmm. Whiz with is a special ordering system. You know all about it. Whiz with
0: means you want it with Cheese Whiz and grilled onions exactly right
1: um and i it was great i've only now because when dr oz you know was running for senate and he was like trying to be you know like claim that he's like this big pennsylvania guy even though he lives in new jersey yeah and he went to like pat's or gino's and was like oh just eating this cheesesteak you know like a regular and every philly person was like that's garbage cheesesteak that's like what tourists eat like we go to these five other places Right, right. And I was like, oh, I was eating at the tourist place and I had no idea.
0: I mean, look, I think that they're not bad. They're, also, pa- cheese sticks are in the same category as a White Castle burger. By the time you're having it, you're so fucking hammered. You could be chewing on a shoe. It's going to taste great. Um, and yeah. all cheese sticks are pretty good, I think. Yes, there are some. Although I went the other way. Last time I was in Philly uh, visiting my buddy, Matt Katz, who lives there, um, he... We, we got like the, we always, us, we usually get from, it's called Jim's. Oh, Jim's. I love Jim's. Jim's is my, was our favorites. But I, but this last time I was like, why don't we try to do like the hipster artisanal cheese steak, whatever that is. And we got that and it was fucking awful. Really? So you want the sweet spot. You don't want to get the most touristy garbage one. You also don't want to get the most artisanal one, which is why I keep going back to Jim's. I think Jim's is, is my fave, um, but the best Doctor Austin when he was running was when he wanted to show how prices were expensive oh, in supermarkets, yeah. and that he was one of the people. He's like, "Here I am trying to put together a crudité platter, like one does, like one does in Allentown. We are putting together <laughs> a crudité platter at the at the, and, at, at the stop and shop in <laughs> in Allentown. And no, first of all, they have no jicama. Okay, <laughs> strike one." <laughs>
1: And there's not even any, where about the tequila? Like, what are you eating? (laughs) Right, is
0: that. I, so where were we talking? We were talking about drunk food and you said, okay, yes, Domino's. Okay, very good. Got it. Hangover cure. Do you have a hangover cure? Do you do hangover cures? Because those are usually calorie high in caloric intake. And also hangover cures are never anything that you have in your fridge.
1: But it's the weekend. So I have a whole separate world happening there of ordering in. I, I'm just going to answer this question with a question, which is that why can't you get a bacon, egg, and cheese anywhere but like a New York bodega?
0: So funny you say that. I was—I don't remember who I was talking to recently about that, but it is true. There, the bacon, egg, and cheese in a New York bodega is so satisfying when you are hungover. I might join you on that. I might join you and say that's probably my favorite as well. Um, but, but why no can't it make, be made here? I don't know. I mean. The role, I wonder if it's the role that is something. Although yeah. it's funny, there was a, there was a story um, in the New York Times sometime in the past decade about the egg and cheese and why like, someone was trying to recreate it at home and she couldn't make it. And she was like, I don't know why it's not coming out the same. And she realized that it was because after they make the egg and cheese, they put it in that kind of parchment paper, aluminum foil thing. Then they close it up before they give it to you and inside that it steams and that steam gives it that kind of that texture that mouthfeel that is unlike anything else
1: it's almost Um, like the luger's version of it keeps cooking
0: absolutely yes it starts to steam almost like a like a dim sum like a bao bun and it gets that nice kind of like i don't know almost gumminess which is so nice but Again, nothing that can't be done on the fucking West Coast. We have parchment paper here. We have aluminum foil. Someone make this. I think yeah. isn't Uncle Polly's didn't aren't they doing it? I don't know. That
1: seems racist. I mean, there's egg slut, which is just like it's, I don't know what that is. Like, oh, we have a horseradish and you're like get the fuck out of it. I mean, It is pretty good.
0: I also don't like the name. I don't like I don't like people that are like just trying to get attention with a with a splashy name. Like, yeah. Kind of like you know, it's funny because I see it. I put it in the same category as those self-help books that have those names. Kind of like the one, like the one that you. The wrote. power <laughs> fucking up. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that was such a trend for a while. It's like ten ways to tell your brain to stop fucking itself. You fucking <laughs> yeah, yeah. loser. It's yeah. like okay, yeah. I'm in.
1: Yeah, I love um, the book. Um, it's called uh, How How to Not Give a Fuck. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the uh, the art of not giving a fuck. And I and I read some of it. It's it's pretty much like hey man, it's like chill. (laughs) Great book.
0: Yeah. That was like the first draft was like 10 words. And they're like, John, we have to, we got it. You got to stretch it. (laughs) (laughs) Who is your favorite celebrity food personality besides Danadu?
1: Cosmo Macaroon. Who's that? Have you ever heard of the podcast? My dad wrote a porno. I don't think so. It's one of the most popular podcasts of all time. It's a guy who was like our age his dad was like in his sixties and he came to him. British guy was like, uh, my, my dream has always been to write like erotic literature. And I wrote like a book of porn. Like, will you read it? And so this guy and his two friends read his dad's porn and comment on it. Mm-hmm. They had an HBO special. They actually just announced their finishing. They have half a billion downloads. And in the, in the porn book, like in the world of the book is a chef called Cosmo Macaroon, who they go and visit. And Mm. it's just incredible. Australian.
0: So tell us about this, about the character.
1: He is Australian. He's an Australian cooking show. Uh, It's hard to explain without the context of being in this world, this porn book, but (laughs) he fucks both of the main characters. It's just like insane. And he's, he's a fictional Australian erotica chef. And since I don't know any Subly chefs besides you, that's who I chose.
0: well, of all the the tapestry of beautiful food personalities out there, you have to go for a fictional porn adjacent chef yeah, yeah. that tracks that tracks as much as Matt Ritter voting for himself on the Man of the Year yeah awards um, what is your desert island food? so you're trapped on a desert island There's one food you can eat for the rest of your life. you're never going to get tired of it. It's not about sustenance or surviving on the island. it's just a food that you can eat as much of you can wake up the next day and eat it all.
1: You know what what, it? you want to know what my favorite food is? Yeah. Black olives. Black olives? Yeah. As like you getting them cal- out of a the can? A Kalamata? No, just like regular old pitted olives. Interesting.
0: Any type in particular or just doesn't matter? Trader Joe's
1: brand pitted olives. <laughs>
0: All okay, right, that's the that's the
1: Greek Trader Joe's. It's like hey Trader Yannis. <laughs> <laughs> now these are American olives. I just I just love black olives, and it's my favorite food. Um,
0: interesting. Wow. So you're just popping black olives? Is that there's none in your fridge because you would just like lose it if you had them?
1: If I had black olives now, I would be eating them right now. I'm fucking starving. Let's wrap this up.
0: Olives sound like the perfect thing for you though, because they're not high in calories or anything. It's a
1: probiotic. You can, you know, you can have as much as you want. The only problem is, I, and I have to look at it, it must have a ton of sodium because it's real salty.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pickles. All pickles have a lot of salt. Yeah. Um, is there a food that you can't stand eating? You know, I don't, I'm not a big, I don't like chickpeas. Huh. Wow. Shots fired to my people.
1: Oh, shit. I forgot about that.
0: That's like me saying, I don't like American apple
1: pie. <laughs> no, it's like you saying, you don't like matzo balls, you're also Jewish, right? Um, yeah. What is, I'm sorry, chickpeas becomes which one? Hummus or the other one?
0: Uh, it becomes hummus. Baba ganoush is eggplant. Okay, got it.
1: Yeah, I like hummus, and I eat hummus every day. I have a I have a pretzel and hummus snack pack for lunch Monday through Friday. Well, then you like chickpeas. I don't like raw chickpeas or unhummus chickpeas. Oh, you. Don't
0: <laughs> you don't like unhummus chickpeas. Okay, got it. Interesting. I love unhummus chickpeas. I think. It's such an interesting thing to choose to hate. (laughs) Like if you you'll go to a restaurant and they'll be like, this comes with chickpeas. You'll be like, put them on the side or I don't want them. and You won't even.
1: You know, I'm one of those people who like doesn't like making a fuss. So I'll just eat it and like not enjoy it. Interesting.
0: Have you ever had a, a fried chickpea, like a deep fried chickpea?
1: I was just somewhere, maybe like a bar or something. And they had it as like a snack or something.
0: Yeah. Give those a shot. They're delicious yeah
1: that might bring you back in maybe I, I didn't realize i forgot that it was from your native land but i just i don't like it i'm sorry i mean not really from my
0: we have chickpeas in iran it's more of a levant thing it's more of the arab world and the persian world but yeah. um i do i'm fucking obsessed with chickpeas That tracks final question and this is my favorite question and i feel like we're gonna have fun on this one because you are you're you're a fun curmudgeon you have opinions about stuff. Such such as I, which is why I think we get along so well. What are your restaurant pet peeves? Well,
1: I have I have two. Great. Right. Okay. One is, and and this is something that Matt and I uh, talked about in the podcast because uh, our podcast is about friendship. Mm-hmm. When you go to a restaurant, and this actually relates to you, and you know the owner, you know the chef, you're friends with someone there, and you're like, oh wow, like we're gonna get hooked up, and then. They just like bring you sorbet at the end, like free dessert. Here's a tray of cookies, like on the house. You're like, what the fuck? Do you do do that at your restaurant?
0: You know, it's funny you say that because I was just in New York and I, the restaurant that I'm an investor in, the chef opened up a new place and I went to the new place and not knowing that he was even going to be there. But I did make the reservation on the special reservation line and he was there and I was like, what's up, man? How are you? He's like, hey, it's good to see you. And I told my girl, I was like, yeah, we're going to get hooked up. It's going to be cool. And uh, um, then <laughs>
1: <Here> we, <laughs> we go. didn't get
0: hooked up at all. Nothing. We didn't get one wow. free thing. We got charged normal price. And you have to give um, a bigger tip. Um, yeah, it was Uh. it was a little bit weird. I- I'm hoping it was just an oversight.
1: No. The chef controls the thing, but, but if he would have brought out a bunch of local sherberts, would you have been like, why, why do they do that?
0: Yeah, I'd rather they didn't bring anything than if it was just a sorbet. (laughs) Right. I'd rather it was nothing.
1: My second thing is actually more about the people where I don't, I really don't like when people are not, do not say please and thank you to the wait staff. I don't know. I, I just go out of my way hmm
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: like i'm when the person fills my water thank you yeah thank you on every every table touch i'm with
0: you I, I i'm the same way i think um i'm gonna play devil's advocate what if you have service that's way too attentive and they're just there every fucking second and it's like if you stop to say thank you every second you're just like not
1: in the flow of your own meal then what I mean, like, since the pandemic, I have not had that high-class problem of too attentive wait staff. Right. just hanging around too much, so right. uh, you know, I just, I'm also like, tell me what you think about this. I'm, I'm kind of an empath, and maybe many comedians are, where, like, if I pick up on someone not having a good time, like, I fucking feel that. Mm. Like, you know, just like mm-hmm. when you're on stage, and you see that one guy not laughing, you can't, you can't, yeah. you know, Focus. So if I get a waiter, waitress, and you could just tell like they've had a long day, mm-hmm. they don't want to be there. Which you know it happens. I'm just like my meal has been ruined. Mm. I'm like I feel bad even ordering. Like I'm sorry that I'm a part of what you're about to. You know, uh, it just. So I don't know. I just hope I can. Thank you so much for your service.
0: You know, on the flip side, though, and you as a performer. I feel like as performers, we sometimes have to go on stage when we don't feel like going on stage and when we have a lot of bad shit going on in our lives and we have to put on a face and we have to make the people laugh. I don't think that a server should, you shouldn't be able to sense that someone is going
1: through something. Come on. They're not, this isn't fucking their fucking life calling. (laughs) They're backstage like, okay. You got this. Like, come on. <laughs> they're just like, I'm trying to get fucking out of here.
0: <laughs> Put on your game face. I don't care if you're working at the Domino's. I don't care if you're the Domino's driver.
1: <laughs> but when they're good, when they're, when those people are nice, I'm like, dude, you know, like I, I have a social respect for that. Like I, can't, I can barely get out of bed to, to follow my life's dream. Imagine being, you know, right. Domino's driver. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I'm with you. I feel yeah, like I tip, I feel like I like to lately, I like to tip more, uh, people who do things that are like, I feel like I'm tipping the Postmates driver more than I'm tipping a waiter these days. Cause I'm well, like,
1: I'm sure you've talked about this in the podcast. The tipping has just gotten out of control when it's like when they flip the, the, the iPad around, I'm like, what?
0: Yeah. I'm with you. Especially at a, here's, here's where I have an issue with tipping is when i have to wait in line to order something at a counter. Yes. And then they and then they give me their three suggested tips when they flip the ipad, 20, 22 and a half or 25. 35% like,
1: 40 and 48%. I'm like, "Wait a minute."
0: <laughs> I don't I don't believe in tipping 20% if i had to wait in the line and order it at a counter. I did your job. If it's if i'm sitting down and a server comes and takes my order, we're boom you're getting you're getting the 20 but why should i be tipping 20 percent when i did the work i I came to you and told you what i wanted
1: it doesn't i don't and then i took the food and brought it to the table (laughs) like i did all the work and it's and it's pre-prepared food it's fucking cozy not cozy it's fucking you know whatever some place
0: i don't know thank you very much aaron tell us tell the people where they can find you
1: yes well man of the year podcast you can find it at podcast.com, and I am at at Aaron Karo double A -A R-O-N-K-A-R-O on all social networks I'm verified just like Dan and now you see Matt got verified too
0: I'd love that
1: eh like we had one thing over him maybe he
0: just pays the eight bucks a month to Elon Musk now no this is this this is Instagram oh really where it's hard he must have done something I don't know what would, what would his angle be? How would he have gotten
1: that? We know someone on Instagram. That was his angle.
0: Oh, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Not that Matt doesn't deserve the check. He deserves it. He's
1: more followers than me.
0: Yeah, he does. Um, but his
1: ratio is off because he's refollowing everyone he meets at Sushi Fumi, and I'm like, eh.
0: <laughs> Not for you. Not, for, Not for you. You have to see that they're committed to you before Definitely. you commit it back to them. Uh, thank you so much, Kara. This has been fantastic.
1: Dan, I miss you, buddy. I love you.
0: I love you, too.